1 Kings chapter 17. And we'll read verse 2 through 7 here this morning. And the word of the Lord came unto him, came unto Elijah, saying, Get thee hence, and turn thee eastward, and hide thyself by the brook Cherith, uh, that is before Jordan. And it shall be that thou shalt drink of the brook that I have commanded the raven, and I have commanded the ravens to feed thee there. So he went and did according unto the word of the Lord, for he went and dwelt by the brook of Cherith, that is before Jordan. And the ravens brought him bread and flesh in the morning, and bread and flesh in the evening, and he drank of the brook. And it came to pass after a while that the brook dried up because there was no rain in the land. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much uh, for each and every one that is here today. Lord, we ask you to be a pastor in Shelby as they're uh, away this morning uh, on this uh, uh, precious anniversary. Lord, we pray that you'll be with them, uh, bless them, bring them back home safely. Lord, just, uh, Lord, Touch our hearts today. Lord, may my words be clear and understandable. May the Holy Spirit uh, uh, use uh, the words that, that you've given me this week, Lord. Uh, may they touch hearts here today. May we be open and, and willing to listen and to hear what you have for us. We ask these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen. As we think of about Elijah, what's the first thing you think about when you think about Elijah? You probably think about Mount Carmel, right? And the, and the great victory that Elijah had as he came to Mount Carmel with, against 450 prophets of Baal and, and all of Israel standing there and him basically saying, which God are you going to serve? Are you going to serve Baal or are you going to serve God, the one true God? And, and he had the 450 prophets of Baal do all their dancing and, and, and praying and whatever to Baal to, 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 divide, to, to, to take the, the offering that was offered to them and nothing happened. And then he gets up, and I think it's like 64 words he prays. And God and fire fell from heaven and devoured the, the, the fire and developed, devoured the wood and the sacrifice and the stones and all the water that they had dumped on that uh, uh, sacrifice. And what a glorious victory that was. In fact, they went out and said, now take all these prophets that were here, slay them, kill them, get rid of these false prophets. And, and, and what, a, what a victory he had. But we're going to go before that because, you know, before we have great victories in our life, a lot of times there comes times of testing. There comes times uh, that God has to, to take us uh, uh, to, to different heights, to, to, to teach us, to train us, uh, to mold us into his image. And, and we'll find Elijah. He had to spend a time at the brook of Cherith. And he had to spend a time at uh, Zarephath uh, with the widow there in order for him to be ready to have this great victory on, on Mount Carmel there. And so we want to focus this morning and tonight on these two, these two uh, places of testing that, that God had placed uh, 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 Elijah. You know, a lot of times in our life, you know, we, we just want to cruise along. We want to be careful, comfortable. We want to have pleasure, you know. Uh, uh, you know, as long as we're going to church and, and, and nobody, you know, says something, the wrong thing and makes us feel uncomfortable, we're all, we're all fine and happy, you know. Uh, you know, Jen, we don't really know whether that's helping us grow spiritually or, or maturing or whatever, you know. But, you know, this, that carefree life really doesn't build character in us. It doesn't really build character. It kind of reminds me of the world's view today. 
You know, we, we send our kids out, you know, we wrap them in bubble wrap, you know, because we don't want them to get hurt, you know. We go out in the playgrounds and we take down the monkey bars and we take down all the playground equipment because our, our little ones, they might get hurt, you know. And, 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 and we, we do everything and we should protect our children, okay. But, but sometimes, you know, we learn through trials and through adversities. We learn through hard times in our life. And when we don't have those testings, those trials come into our lives, it doesn't stretch us. It doesn't grow us. We don't gain maturity. And I think that's why we see a lot of immature children that are 25 and 30 years old today, maybe even 40, 45 years old today, <laughs> because they've never been, they never reached that point of maturity because they never have encountered those obstacles. They've never had people People say no. They never had somebody say, hey, you're doing it the wrong way. They, they've never met a, a challenge in their life, and they haven't developed the maturity. But God wants us to mature. He wants us to grow, and he, he brings tests into our lives. And these aren't necessarily always bad times. They're not. We think of tests a lot of times as punishment or, or, or super critical things in our lives, and that's not always the case. But he brings tests in our life to stretch our faith, to grow us, to mature us. And, and, and just real quickly to get an overview of where we're going, you know, I learned in hermeneutics, you know, you tell them what you're going to say, you say what you're going to say, and then you tell them what you told them. You know, is how you do a sermon, you know. And so the, the, the three things, we're going to look at three tests that Elijah had here at the brook as he came to the brook here. First of all, we're going to see a test of God's promise and supply. We're going to see a test of obedience in Elijah's life, and we're going to see a test of the dried-up brook. Verse number four, we start out with the first test here, that test of supply uh, that, that, uh, of Elijah's needs by, by the brook here. Verse number four again tells us, and it, and it shall be that thou shalt drink of the brook, and I have commanded the ravens to feed thee there. And so God promised that he would supply their needs. You know, God never sends us out to do something. He never asks us or gives us a task to do without him giving us the, the strength, the providence, the provisions that we need to accomplish the task that he set before us. He never does that. In fact, that's, that's a promise of Scripture. Most of us probably can quote uh, Philippians 4.19, right? My God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. We know that God promises us that he will supply our needs. But you know, there's also a warning. There's a negative side to that as well. In Hebrews chapter 13, listen to what he says there in verse 5 and 6. He says, let your conversation or your lifestyle be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have. For he has said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. So that we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. You know, so many times in our lives, we begin to focus on what God is supplying us. Uh, we even hear it in our prayer requests. I need this, and I need that, and God, give me this, and God, do this for me. And we focus on what God is supplying for us. And, and as long as God is blessing us, as long as we have supplies in our life, we're, we're happy. And, and we forget that God should be the object of our devotion. Our focus should be on God, not what he's giving us, not what he's doing for us, but the fact that he is God. That should be our focus in our life. And we need to learn to be content 
with what God has given us, not being complainers, not being envious of what other people have been given. You know, kind of reminds me, and, and I think about the children of Israel, you know, as they were, uh, they, they were freed from this terrible slavery in Egypt, and they, they were led into the wilderness, uh, and God had delivered them. And, and what did they begin doing? Oh, we don't have no water. Oh, we don't have no meat. Oh, it would be better if we went back to Egypt and had the onions and the leeks and the garlics. All they did was complain, right? They couldn't focus on what God had done for them. All they could see is that, I need more supplies. I need more things. I need God to give me more things. But here we see God tells Elijah to go to the brook. You know, now, sometimes out here, you know, we don't have much water out here, so we don't have a lot. What is a brook? You know, how is a brook different from like a river? Or how does it differ from different? A brook is just a little trickle of water. You know, it's usually a a temporary uh, even supply of water that happens to be run off either from snow melt or or a a pool of water that has overflowing a little bit and clock causes a brook to flow. And so this was a small stream of water, you know. Why didn't God tell Moses or tell Elijah, you know, there's a beautiful lake over here that you can go, has lots of trout and fish in it. Why don't you go to that lake, you know? No, God didn't say that. He didn't say, go over here to, to this wonderful river. There'll be plenty of water there, and, and there's plenty of shade, and it's just a beautiful place to go and, and relax. Why don't you go over to the river? No, he tells Elijah, he says, go to the brook. Go, go to this brook and I will supply your needs. You know, sometimes God in our lives, he works in, in ways that we don't understand, ways that we question, you know, why, why, why is he putting me somewhere where I have barely enough? You know, a brook doesn't have a whole lot of water usually, uh, uh, you know, and, and so why would he put him somewhere where there's just barely enough for him to get by with? Uh, uh, a brook, it might dry up. Uh, why would he put me somewhere where the supply might end, when, where I won't have enough water? Why would God do that? You know, but whatever God wants us to do, we need to do that. We need to obey what God says for us to do, trusting that he said, I'm going to pl- uh, uh, provide for you, and walking in faith, trusting in God and what he's going to do for us. Um, you know, uh, why do we need to do that? Because we need to experience God's sufficiency in our life, and we need to know that, that our greatest need is not water, it's not bread. Our greatest need is God. We need God in our lives. And sometimes these other needs that we think we have mask what our true need is. And that's a walk with God. Philippians 4, Paul says there in Philippians 4, verse 11 through 13, says, not that I speak in respect of want, for I've learned that in whatsoever state I am, therewith be content. I know how to be abased, I know how to abound uh, everywhere and in all things. I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. Paul says, my focus is on Christ. I don't care where I'm at. I have what I need. I may be in want. I may be bountiful, but I need to focus on Christ because it's Christ that strengthens me. Not, not the bread, not the water, not, not the money, not, not the place that I'm at, but Christ that brings me strength. Jesus even says in John 14, 27, he told the apostles, peace I leave with you, my peace I give with you, 
Not as the world giveth it, uh, not as the world giveth, I give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. God says, I am with you. Don't worry about things. Don't worry about things. I am with you. Look to me. Trust in me. Focus on, on me. You know, a song we all love to sing in Psalms 42, as a deer panteth for the water, so my soul longeth after you. Does our soul long after Christ? Do we trust in his providence, but, but our deepest desire and our deepest need is in God himself? You know, he recognized that his greatest need, Elijah did, he recognized his greatest need was not in things, it wasn't in the environment, changing his environment. It wasn't in the people that he was around. But Elijah realized his greatest need was God. Was God. Have we realized that in our lives? Have we realized that no matter what happens in our lives, that if we have God, we have enough? And if we're saved, if we've asked Jesus to save us and we've trusted Christ as our Savior, God is with us. He's with us. And we, have, don't, we don't lack for anything. Jesus tells Elijah, or God tells Elijah there in verse number four, he says, the ravens are going to come feed you. Remind you back to Philippians 4.19. My God shall supply all your needs, right? And, you know, he, God supplied uh, Elijah's uh, needs through natural means. He put him beside a brook where water was going to be. And then he used a supernatural means. He, he provided ravens. Have you ever thought about why ravens? You know, ravens, you remember in the Noah's Ark, you know, what did Noah send out of the ark the first time he sent out ravens, right? And, and ravens didn't come back. They, they, they found dead bodies floating on the water, and they didn't need to come back to the ark, you know? And, and so God had told Noah the second time, send out doves, and Noah sent out doves. They came back because there wasn't a place to land yet. I think it was the third time finally he sends them out, and there was dry land, and they, they did not come back. Ravens in the, in the, in the law... Are, are an unclean thing. You weren't supposed to go out and shoot ravens and eat ravens. They were unclean food. Uh, you weren't supposed to have ravens. But God here, in, in his, in his all-wisdom, all-knowing way, says, I'm going to have ravens bring you food. Now, again, I, I've said this before, and you, if you, you may remember. I, I don't know. Sometimes we forget what, what was preached in the past. But you ever think about where did the ravens get food? You know, they had been in a famine now for a, a little while. There, there was no water. There was no rain coming. There was no crops being grown. Uh, there, was, there was no food. Everyone was hungry and starving because of, the, of no rain. So where were these ravens getting food? And, you know, of all the people in Israel, who's the one person you can think of that would have food? It would be the king, right? The king would always have food. It doesn't matter if the rest of the people were starving. And I can imagine these ravens, I don't know whether they went to the kitchen or maybe they even plucked it right off the king's tables. But these ravens, I, I can just imagine, Scripture doesn't tell us, this is Robert Phillips' uh, version uh, <laughs> interpretation, but I can imagine the ravens landing on the king's table, snatching up some prime choice meat and, and some bread and flying back and delivering these to Elijah because God was providing food and God's always going to provide the best, right? And, and so he's providing king's food to Elijah here at the brook. But why ravens? These, 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 these creatures here that would be considered unclean. You know, Elijah was a Jew. He would know what the law was, uh, that they were unclean. Uh, but, you know, uh, God uh, can do whatever he wants to do, however he wants to do it. 
Uh, he's not going to disobey his character. He's not going to disobey his holiness, his love for us. But, you know, he has the ability to, to use whatever he wants to use to accomplish his purposes here. Um, you know, he uses all kinds of, of instruments, all kinds of people, all kinds of situations to accomplish his will, to get his will done. We see many times in Scripture that, that God was using wicked kings to accomplish his will and to accomplish his task. Uh, the, he uses those things. So as we go through problems in our life, think about problems that you're going through. You know, it might be financial. It might be health problems. It might be family problems or job conditions, whatever it is. Stop for a minute when you're thinking about those problems and you're complaining about those problems and realize that maybe these are tools. Maybe these are agents of the Lord, like, like the ravens here, that God is using to supply some need in our life. He's stretching our faith. He's testing us. He's growing us. He's maturing us in our lives. You know, our, our path in life, it's not always an interstate highway, four lanes, you know, smooth, flat sailing, you know, where, uh, you know, you can go along and not have to worry about too much stuff going on around you. You can put your car, you know, in automatic drive now, you know, and sit back and let it drive itself. I still don't know if I could trust that if I had one of those kind of cars. But, you know, our life is not a four-lane highway. You know, we're like on a mountainous road. You know, we have ups and downs. You know, we have sudden turns to the left or to the right. You know, we have rough spots in the road, you know, where, where the, 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 the water from the mountain has rushed down and destroyed the roadway. We have, we have a, a smooth places in the, in the road uh, all the time. Uh, we're, we're on this, this windy, curvy road. And along the way, sometimes that brook drives up in our life. Sometimes, you know, it seems like God has deserted us. But, you know, he is always involved in our life. God is always watching over us. God is always walking with us. He will always provide for us whatever we need as we go down the road. And we need to learn that in our lives. That's a test that we have. Are we looking to God? Are we looking to the supplies for our fulfillment? Do we look to, to, to what God is doing in our lives, how he's growing us, how he's maturing us? Or are we just concerned about, hey, I didn't get enough bread today. Hey, I didn't have enough water today. Hey, I didn't have enough money today. We need to learn to trust what God has for us. The second test that Elijah has here is the test of our text here in 1 Kings chapter 17, verse 5 and 6. It says, and so he went and did according unto the word of the Lord, for he went and dwelt by the brook of Cherith that is before Jordan. And the ravens brought him bread and flesh in the morning and bread and flesh in the evening, and he drank uh, of the brook. And so, uh, you know, it, it's, it's wonderful. What's it say for there first in verse number five? So he went. He went immediately. We don't see Elijah questioning God. Say, God, but you know, there, there's a wonderful place over here just a couple miles away that I could go to that's a much better place. You know, if you let me go over here, you know, at this place, you know, the, the trees are better over there. You know, it, it, but maybe if I, I come over to this place, we don't see him arguing with God about where God had told him to go. We don't see him debating with God that, is that really the best place, God? Do you know that brook dries up here in the summertime? Do you, do you know we're in a, fam, a, a drought right now that there's not much rain coming? Uh, God, what, are you sure you know what you're talking about? We, no, he says, and he went and did according to under the word of the Lord. He went immediately. He obeyed what God said. 
immediately with no argument, no questions. Once he was sure what God had for him, what God wanted him to do, he simply obeyed. You know, he obeyed because he trusted God. He knew that God would take care of him. He believed that God's will was always perfect for his life. You know, one of the main characteristics of God is that God is love. That's a simple sentence. And we say it sometimes kind of flippantly that God is love. But do we really believe it? When things come in our lives, do we begin to question God? Or do we go, you know, God is love. And nothing would be happening except that God knows that this is for better, this is for my good. It's to help me be stronger. It's helped me to improve. I don't understand why these things are happening. I don't understand why we had this car accident. I don't understand why I had these sudden bank charges overdraft my account. I don't understand why I, all of a sudden the doctor's telling me I had this terrible problem in my life. I don't understand these things. But you know, I know God loves me. I know whatever the, the reason is, God has something better for me planned because God loves me. He wouldn't do anything because he's ignoring me. He wouldn't do something because he, he doesn't, he's trying to punish me. He wouldn't do something because, uh, just because he wants to see how I'm going to respond. He would only do something because he loves me. And he wants something better for my life. Maybe I need to change something. Maybe I need to learn something. Something, but God loves us. And when we really get a hold of that idea that God is love and how much God loves us, then we don't have any problem with the obedience part. When God says do something, he's going to do it. Have you ever stood your kid up on a, on a high place outside and, hey, jump, jump, you know, and the kid jumps into his dad's arms. Why? Because he loves his dad and he trusts his dad. He trusts what his dad is going to catch him and take care of him. And do we have that same attitude with God? God says, go do this. We say, okay, God. I'm going to do what you asked me to do because I trust you. I know you love me. I know you care for me. I know you provide for me. The third thing that, that God tested, uh, the third test that God had for Elijah was allowing the brook to dry up. Verse 7, it tells us here, And he came to pass after a while that the brook dried up because there was no rain in the land. Now, you might read that to some in some ways and look at that and say, hey, this was just some circumstance that happened. That, that you know, surprise, God, the brook dried up. Nothing surprises God. This was all in God's plan. God knew what was going to happen. He knew what was to come. Uh, you know, our God is sovereign. He's over all things. And, and it was part of his will and his plan that these things happen to us. You know, just like things happen to us. And we think, oh, why in the world did that happen? We need to stop and think, you know, God, sovereign, almighty, all-powerful, all-knowing God, he knows about these things. And he works all things according to his counsel, according to his will, according to his pleasure. He orchestrates them according to what he wants to accomplish in our lives. He works these things. Uh, Jesus showed us uh, uh, God's involvement uh, concerning our very lives. You know, he talks, he taught, and we, we read about this a couple weeks ago in our study of Matthew with, with Pastor Mike, uh, that he, he has the hairs of our head numbered. 
He even knows when the sparrows fall from the ground. Matthew 10 and verse 29, Are not the sparrows sold for a farthing? And one of them shall not fall to the ground without your father knowing, but the very heads of your hair are all numbered. Fear ye not, therefore, ye are more, have more value than many sparrows. God knows these things, and God loves us, and he's not going to let things happen to us and go, oh, my, I, I let that slip. I, I, I missed that. I'm sorry. No, he doesn't, he's not going to do that. He's almighty, all-powerful God. He's watching over us. He, at other times, he even tells us that, you know, he takes care of us even better than, than the, 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 the beautiful flowers in the field. And back in chapter 6 in Matthew, same, same book, he said, Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are ye not much better than they which, uh, uh, which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit unto a stature? And why take ye thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which uh, today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe ye, O ye of little faith? You know, if God bends our path one way or, or the other, he does those things uh, because there's something that he needs for us to do, needs something for us to happen for us here. You know, most of the difficulties in our life are, are, are happening because of the evil of this world and because, because of sin, because of Satan's activities. But even though that's the case, God is still in control. God still knows what's going to happen. God still knows uh, uh, the things that you're going to do, whether it be sin, whether it not be sin. He knows those things. And he allows those things and he uses those things in all of his wisdom uh, for, for great purposes for us. Because he loves us. You know, the problem is, is that sometimes God's timing is not our timing. You know, sometimes we get in a hurry a lot of times to get things done. Sometimes we have to sit and wait for a few minutes because God has to get some other things aligned before we can do the thing that God wants us to do. You know, I think about Moses, you know, when Moses, uh, you know, he thought he was ready to lead the children of Israel and he saw uh, one of the Egyptian people beating one of the Israelites and he went out and killed that Israelite thinking, I'm the savior of Israel. I'm going to take this in my own hands. But it wasn't God's timing yet. God still had 40 years of training to do in Moses' life. He sent him in the wilderness for 40 years to humble him, to learn to lead his people. Sometimes God's timing is not our timing. Just as, as Elijah sitting by the brook wondering, why did this stream dry up? God said he was going to provide. He said there would be water here. But, you know, God had a specific plan. He had divine provisions. He, he knew that that brook would last a certain number of days. And, and Elijah didn't know that. God didn't lay it out with Elijah, hey, you're going to be here for 32 and a half days and then the brook's going to dry up. And he, didn't, and he doesn't do that in our lives. He asks us to take one step at a time. He asks us just to trust him, to follow us. You know, we live in evil days, days of darkness. And we shouldn't expect that life is going to give us everything that we want. We're called to redeem the time that God gives us, to use it wisely. But God has promised to supply our needs. 
He's promised his riches in glory. There can never be an end to his supply, but God is never confined to use one method to supply our needs. And we get stuck in a rut sometimes. You know, I like the way God's doing things right now. I like the way he's blessing me right now. I hope he keeps blessing me that way forever, you know, because I'm comfortable right now where I'm at. But God, God's going to supply our needs, but he's not necessarily going to use one method. He can use a variety of, of means and ways, natural, supernatural, to supply our needs. We should never get caught up in the method that he's using to supply our needs. We should never get caught up in how those needs are being met. But the most important thing is we need to keep our eye on who the supplier is. Keep our eye on God, that he's the one giving us our needs. My boss is paying my paycheck, but you know where that paycheck comes? It comes from God. You know, my car is working fine because I take it to the mechanic, but the mechanic is the one to keep my car running. It's God that's blessing me with that vehicle and keeping that vehicle running. My house could be falling down tomorrow. Tornadoes could come. The wind could blow it down. The snow could cause the roof to collapse. But you know why it doesn't? It's God. It's God that's providing those things in our lives. And do we look to the supplier? Again, our greatest need is to know and to trust God, to trust who he is. Like Elijah, we, we come to those dry places in our life. You know, the brook dries up. You know, what brook are we talking about? I, said, I don't live by a brook. I live in southwest Kansas, you know. <laughs> but that, it's the very one God promised that would be our source of supply, our source of water in our lives here. Have you ever heard the saying, cheer up, things could be worse? Well, yesterday I cheered up, and sure enough, things got worse. You know? <laughs> Sometimes that happens, right? The things don't go exactly according to plan. You know? uh, this dried up, this word he uses, it wasn't a sudden thing that happened. This brook slowly started drying up. You know? It wasn't running as fast as when Elijah got there. The trickle started slowing down. Probably the little pool maybe where he was collecting water from, you know, it was starting to get lower, and you know, more of that rock or that tree limb was showing in the water you know, every day as he went down there to, to get, get some water to drink. You know? uh, but we don't see Elijah really fretting about it. We don't see him sticking a, a stick in the, in the water and marking every day how much the water was going down. We don't see him fretting and saying, I, I better be looking for alternative sources of water. I better find another place to go to get water, to get, to get my supply. He, he, he trusted God and he stayed right where he was at because that's what God had told him to do. <coughs> God had told him to go to the brook and he would supply his need. You know, our, our tendency a lot of times is to constantly measure what God is doing for us. Not really trusting him, but trying to measure, trying to second guess. You know, and that comes because we really don't realize that God is love. We think that God's going to drop the ball. God doesn't love us enough to make sure that we're taken care of. And so we're going to take care of ourselves by making sure that we don't get caught in that situation. We compare how God's supplying the needs of others and say, God's not supplying my need that way. He's not giving me as much blessing as he's given, given that person on the other side of the church. He's not giving, giving me as much blessing as he's given my coworker at work. And we judge what God is doing based on what he's doing for others. Instead of focusing on what God is trying to do for us. What is God trying to do in our lives? Maybe he doesn't need to be blessing us that much because we need to learn to trust in him and walk in him. 
Maybe there's some ministry that this other person has that needs this extra blessing so that they can minister to someone else, and we don't have that need in our lives. So quit looking at what other people is happening to other people and just focus on what God is doing in your life. How is God working in your life? Talk with God about those things. Why, why, how can I use what, what you're blessing me with to do the job that you want me to do? You know, this is my attitude. Harold Hendricks uh, humorously writes in, in, in his book, he says, I have the highest respect for Elijah. I wouldn't have been able to sit there and watch the brook uh, dis, uh, dismiss diminish. I would have gotten out of my road, out, out my roadmap and been looking for every watering hole in the area. My motto would have been, don't sit there, do something. Isn't that, a, that's the American way, right? That's the American attitude, you know? And, and there's some things to be said about that, but when God's told us to sit there, we need to sit there. We need to do what God's told us to do. Uh, and listen, and do as, as, as Elijah did. Remember, think about it. Why, why did the brook dry up? Because Elijah had prayed that it wouldn't rain. And so the rain stopped. And there had been no rain. And so the brook had dried up. And why hadn't there been any rain? Is because uh, 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 God was wanting Israel to be drawn back to him. He's wanting to, Israel to realize there was a thirst in the land, not for water, but for God. He was wanting Israel to, to hunger and thirst after him as the deer does. And he was waiting for Elijah, uh, 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 an answering uh, uh, prayer for Elijah for the water to return. You know, sometimes when we pray for our nation, when, when we pray for our friends, you know, sometimes things have to happen in order for our friend to come to salvation, to come to God, for our nation to come back to God, that sometimes put us into uncomfortable positions too. Just like Elijah was now without water because he had prayed for no rain, right? And God is working in Israel's life, but in, it's, he was going to have some time in his life. And sometimes our friend has to go through some hard time to come to know Christ, and we have to kind of be there with him and walk with him and maybe suffer a little bit with them so that they come to know God in their lives. But they're all because God's pur purpose and God's plan do, do we trust in the grace and, and, and are we concerned about God's glory enough to, to be patient with those things? To trust that God will see us to the end of those things? The last thing it says there is, and God came to him in verse number eight, and the word of the Lord came unto him saying, you know, God hadn't forgot Elijah. Yeah, the water had dried up, because, but it wasn't because God wasn't there. God hadn't forgot about him, but God had the next test in his life, the next step that he wanted Elijah to take to grow spiritually, to mature. And we always think, you know, Elijah was a prophet, so he must have been, you know, the superman of God from the very beginning, you know, but we're never that way. Our Christian life is a growth process. It's a process of learning how to walk as God wants us to walk. And God had a plan he came to Elijah's rescue. You know, sometimes God cuts a little close. You know, God, you could have gave me a little warning. You know, you could have told me ahead of time that this was all going to happen, you know. But God wants us to follow him and to trust him. You know, he is almighty, sovereign God. He sits in heaven and he does as his, he pleases. 
But he pleases to test us to build our character. He pleases to do these things because he loves us and he wants what's right for us, even as a parent wants what's right for their child. God left Elijah there at the brook until it was bone dry. Then he comes and he sends him to the next place of provision. See, he hadn't stopped providing for Elijah. He was still going to provide for Elijah. It was just in his timing. But he also had some growth that Elijah needed to grow in ministry. That's the life God is developing in us. He wants our faith to grow. He wants to use our lives to influence others so that others may see Christ in our lives. Are we focused on our Savior? Are we focused on God? Are we focused on what he's supplying in our lives? Do we obey because we know he loves us? Do we follow what he wants? Even though the brook is drying up, even though the circumstances are, are bad, do we look to God for those answers and those solutions? Are we still trusting in ourselves? Let's learn from Elijah today. Let's trust in what he has for us. Let's realize that he loves us so much that he will always be there for us. We just need to trust him. Everybody will bow your head and close your eyes this morning.